Outdoors podcast. I'm Mac. I'm Tim. I'm Wyatt. Today we have a special guest of someone that's actually successful deer hunting. <laughs> <laughs> we have uh, Sam Ross. He is a listener of the podcast. I, he posted a picture of a buck he shot on opener night, and I just had to let it. It was. It's a, just an absolute fantastic buck. So if anyone go back on the border community page, I think it was posted uh, September 18th. And look at this nice buck that he shot, and uh, we're gonna have him on to tell the story. So, how you doing, Sam? Good, Mac. Yeah, it's been 10, 15 years yeah. or whatever. Yeah, we, <laughs> you, know, you graduated a couple years before I did in school, and it's it's just funny how things just kind of come back full circle. Like everyone yeah. deer hunts or fishes, everyone just kind of sees each other's posts on Facebook, and you kind of just connect, reconnect. It's funny you say that, yeah, because you you see. Just like you said, you see stuff on like social media, like oh, they're hunting. I didn't know that in high school. We should have been. We should have talked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, right? We should have hung out yeah. a little more. See, it yeah. brings everybody together a little bit. Well, and everyone yeah. like we, Nick, Nick, and uh, from Brotherhood always gave me shit because because in high school I was just a little asshole. And then everyone, <laughs> and, you know, people grow up throughout the years. You get out of sports and you think you're king shit, and then all of a sudden you yeah. get in the real world and you're nothing. What do you mean? You're not an yeah. asshole anymore? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I, I, I beg to differ. Oh, yeah. You may be right. Well, Mac's not trying to cut weight anymore all the time. So <laughs> oh, that, yeah. I, I remember those days. I was around him in those days, and he was a little prick back then. I, sh- I, should, <laughs> I should get back into cutting weight. I'm getting a little too big now. Uh, not right now. Winter's coming. <laughs> yeah, get on that a little bit of winter coat. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's hear this story. What, uh... How big of a buck did you shoot here? I'm not great at field scoring deer, but I'll give a generous buffer of, I don't know, 120, give or take a few inches. I don't know. Oh, I'd go bigger than that. I was thinking like a 140. I was going 135, 140. I'm not good at scoring them either, but I I would would say 140 solid. Yeah. It's a nice (sighs) symmetrical eight point. The thing is, the, the picture that I posted, it, it's it's a little bit tighter than than you'd think it is, so it, it doesn't have the width on it. It, it is nice. I I, I always kind of would go on the underside of scoring, but yeah, I don't know. I I think it's at least one twenty five, but I I only guess the one forty is necessarily. But either way, it is a great deer, and I was super jacked about it. So is, it, is yeah. that your biggest buck to date? With, uh, with bow maybe not with gun. Um, really, just a freaking yeah. deer slayer yeah, no over doubt. there. Yeah, it, it, it's not. I got I got some access to some pretty decent land. Fortunately, I'm just super blessed with the opportunity to hunt some land down in southeast Minnesota. So, um, you do it for long enough, and you put your time in, and you just take advantage of your opportunities and it just kind of happens i'm not good at hunting by any means <laughs> well <laughs> so to, to real quick here to paint a picture of what's going on here we're all you know the three of us are sitting in a in my fish house we got the tv screen with a picture of your deer up and all three of us we haven't our eyes haven't left the tv in the last like yeah. two minutes since, yeah. since it's been up there i'm looking at this thing and i i love that that front uh left uh tine it, yeah. To me, it looks like a, a knife. Yeah, um, that thing is crazy looking. It it just, I don't know. That, that's that's amazing looking rack on that deer. It, it is so cool looking. I, it's not quite symmetrical. It doesn't look like it, but it's yeah. it's cool. It's it's very cool. It looks very beefy. Either you got really small hands, or that's it. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Well, I do have small hands. But well, yeah, then he does it makes everything look bigger yeah, then. Sure. Well, then you need yeah. to start taking pictures of my deer next time. Yeah, bigger. Yeah, yeah. I need to borrow your hands. No, that, that thing is very yeah, impressive. Yeah, he's sweet. Yeah, he's he's got some good mass, and he's just really nice looking eight pointer. So yeah, I'm stoked about it. Yeah. What do you, what do you figure? He's probably what three years old, four. I was figuring three and a half, four. Yeah. 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 Okay. Sure. 
What yeah. uh, what have you done with uh, the antlers? Are you doing anything? He's with it? sitting. So I, I so we hunt um, in a CWD um, intensive harvest zone. Okay. So that makes that makes things really complicated yes, for us. Yes, it does. Yeah. Um, and um, actually, interestingly, as the crow flies, like we've got a positive farm high fence uh, less than a couple miles away from where we hunt. Okay. So we're pretty. We're pretty religious about getting everything tested for for CWD, um, just because we're so close to that farm where they've had positive cases. We've gotten lucky; we haven't had any positives um, yet. But uh, it, it just it, it makes it tough with getting them in and out of that zone. So right now, um, I just plan on euro mounting this one. I was really on the fence about it, but um, I was actually down there doing corn silage for them. <laughs> that weekend that i was bow hunting so we didn't have a ton of time to cape out the deer yeah thought, uh, it'll be good to euro mount him and it'll be tough i gotta leave him in the zone until i get to, uh until i get a negative test on him anyways so he his head is sitting in a in a deep freezer down on a dairy farm right now so okay does that like uh the possibility of having it having cwd does that make you nervous about the meat i mean even though there's like, yeah, no I mean, cases. to some extent, like if somebody handed me a backstrap that was CWD positive, I would not eat it. Okay. But so, yeah, like it, it doesn't stop us. Like, I mean, the chances are really, really low. Like, let's say, let's say the DNR lost my sample or something like that. And I didn't know if it was positive or negative or whatnot. I would eat it just because the chances of it are, are still really low. Yeah. But, it's a, it's enough to the point that like again since we're so close to that farm that had positives <clears throat> when we cut up deer during gun season we, we keep all of the deer separate in separate bags we have to label all the bags with the registration numbers and everything and we wait till we get our tests back before before we start getting into it and whatnot so I don't know it, it it's you hear so much information on it and as far as whether it affects humans or not or whether it could or couldn't in 20 years or whatever. And it, it's just so tough to say it's, but when I'm feeding it to my family, I'm more reluctant to, <laughs> to want to feed it to them unless I know it's negative. You know what I yeah. mean? Well, and like Seth, he's big on the CWD and all that. And from what I've understood, if it ever jumps to humans, we're all screwed. What exactly oh, yeah. is the CWD and what does it affect in the deer? I know it's like something with the brain, but I don't fully know what it is. I Maybe Sam could tell you, but all I know You're is... You're going to get, like, a third-grade description. Yeah. yeah. Get like, 70% of it right. But as I understand it, it's, it's like mad cow, but it's it affects deer in their, in their prions that um, supposedly they're... I don't know. It, it's mostly the brain and spinal column that uh, that you got to watch out for, it, which is why you can't take the, the heads out of the counties that you shoot it in, but... As far as the positive goes, like if you see it, they look like they're they're perfectly fine. They can live with it, and they can cope with it for a couple of years. It sounds like until um, the last you know six months, they get super emaciated and lethargic, and they start doing this wobbly thing. We haven't seen any, um, so I don't really have any firsthand experience with it. But everyone that's described it makes it sound like it's mad cow disease, but it's in deer, and it can't jump to humans yet but i don't know i know i've seen videos online of like them actually like them actually being affected and they'll like run with their like heads sideways and like in almost like circles and they almost look like a zombie yeah. and all their eyes are all weird mm-hmm. seth yeah. would be able to give you a perfect description yeah. i think he talked about it a while ago and he's he knows like all the scientific data behind it and oh. like when they tried to like kill the disease or whatever like, they'd put it in chambers and try to burn it, and, like, they couldn't. Oh, like, oh really? There's, like, nothing that can stop it. So if it ever jumps to humans, it's like the walking dead. Like, we're screwed. Yeah. Like, you can't cook it out of them. Yeah. And supposedly, like, and maybe Seth knows this, but, like, from what I've heard is, like, if you if you eat CW-positive deer, like, those prions are technically, like, in you. 
they just don't necessarily affect you yet anyways. They could have a super long incubation period or they just can't really affect humans yet. Yeah. Or if you eat enough of it, maybe is it enough to take you over? I don't know. There's no cases in humans. That's why he's always like, I'm fine. I'll eat it. I don't (laughs) care. It doesn't matter. And that's Seth saying that? Oh, yeah. Supposedly they're tracking people, and I don't know who they are. I don't know if it's like the USDA or FDA or whatever, but uh, they're keeping tabs on like quite a handful of people that they know have eaten it. And they're checking in with them every once in a while. <laughs> hey, you okay? You still alive? Or... To the sidewalk in circles or something. So you got a fever? Because I think that's another cause of it. Is like, I, maybe that's the EHD. Is like oh, you, sure. you find them in like cricks because they like burn up. Oh, sure. And then they like oh, they, they sit in like the water they because they're the trying water. to cool down. Yep. Yeah. Uh, then would that affect the water? Then no. No. Right, enough about EHD. Let's yeah. talk about this yeah. buck. Let's, let's hear the story yeah. about the deer. Everyone's yeah. probably like, okay, none of us we... know anything about it anyway. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's not a bunch of four, four <laughs> drunken D-wads that are just <laughs> talking about something they have no idea about. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. That's when you know everything about everything, though, is when you're drinking. So Yeah. So, yeah. But you were telling us a story about how you got the land before, and then you talked about how yeah. you were cutting silage. So. You got this. You got private land in southeastern Minnesota. And how did you acquire that? Yeah, so I went. Uh, I went to school down there, uh, college, um, and I had. Uh, I had just met a guy, and he said, "Hey, my family's doing rock picking this weekend. You wanna? Can you help out?" I said, "Yeah, absolutely, not a problem." And that was, I mean, anything to earn beer money in college, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, did that over this, you know, springtime for them, and then. Uh, they invited me out deer hunting the next fall. Um, and that was the first time I actually had been deer hunting. So run to Walmart, <laughs> grab whatever orange you can kind of afford, go out in snow pants. And um, they've invited me back ever since. Um, so, yeah, super fortunate. Still good buddies with the guy. He's actually my age, and he's kind of slowly taking over the farm. Um, kind of one of those situations. So I try to make it down couple times a year to help out earn my lease where i can and they don't really get into bow hunting much I actually you know some of my other buddies like joe altoff he got me interested in bow hunting and said hey you know you mind if i come bow hunt early season before we gun hunt and they said yeah absolutely so learn in the woods a little bit more and get a lot of cameras out there try to come down and help when i can do corn silage and whatnot and yeah Keep inviting me back. So, so basically, yeah, you go out there and you pick rock for a farmer. You're you're in like Flynn at that point, and you really know that when they offer you up a, a spot to go deer hunting on her farm, then. Yeah, and the the thing is, like, they actually had like four of us come out rock pick, and they only invited me back. So, I mean, it's not only that, but like, you go out deer hunting with them, and you show up, and you bring beer, and you bring food, and you have a good attitude, and ask lots of questions, and. You just take advantage of your opportunities, I guess, you know? Yep. And girl up hunting really all that much. So you just look for those opportunities when you can and make the most of them. So, yeah. So you, you fell into a really good opportunity here and you're, you're making the best of it too. And you're, you're helping them out and, uh, you're kind of paying your dues in a way, which yeah. is, you know, that's, that's the best way to do it. If you really want to get into some kind of land like this, you have to pay your dues. You can't just walk in and expect them to hand everything to you either. So. Congrats yeah. to you. That's that's a you know pretty honorable thing you're doing. I I really like that. Yeah, and and the thing is, like, we're good buddies. They don't expect me to do that, but I don't, know, I don't ever want to get to the place that you're overstaying your welcome. Well, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, so. you, you don't want to be that guy that shows up every deer opener and be like, okay, I'm here, and they're like, oh, I guess you're yeah. coming yeah. back. And, yeah, here yeah. comes that freeloader again. Yeah, you know, it's yeah, like, you don't exactly. I, I, I've never met you either, and I just, right now I can tell your character, you, you do, you know, um, trying to figure out how to word this, but I, I guess you, you know, you know you got a good thing coming to you, so you're willing to give back and, you know, pay your dues and uh, and do the right thing. So Earn your keep. Yeah, props to you. It's, yep. That's yeah. awesome. You don't, you see, you don't well, see that a lot. Well, yeah, I mean, you guys know how hard it is to get access to places, and honestly, I don't even know what kind of a gold mine they're they might not even know what kind of a gold mine they're sitting on. Um, <laughs> yeah. People pay for lease access and whatnot. And I tell them all the time, like you could, you could charge big money to lease this out if you want to. And it's, 
you know, they don't really have any interest in that. So I kind of feel obligated to do something, but, but yeah, it's, it's been good. Um, um, trying to get as many, you know, cameras out there in the woods as I can and learn a little bit more each year, get another stand or two up every year or so. And, uh, I, I primarily only ball hunt early season there for the most part and just try to take advantage of, um, of their summer patterns and try to get them in some staging areas where they're heading out to the fields in the evenings. And that's kind of primarily what I target. I don't actually do a whole lot of late season there. I used to a lot more, but now with the kids, it's, it gets harder. So, so how many years total have you been going out there? Um, probably, probably around 10 or so. Okay, so you got you kind of have the pattern figured out now, especially the cameras out there and everything. So you pretty much know what's going on. So yeah, you, you kind of know when the best time to be out there. Um, you did your homework, right? A, a little bit, but it, it's it's interesting. It, it changes from year to year and what they're doing. Um, like there's, I've gotten to the point where I'll pick, I don't know, six to eight field edges where i know that they they'll use year to year as far as like you know staging areas where they want to kind of get out in the field and kind of hang out before they go munch in in the fields because they, they have a lot of egg and production whether and most of it's corn or alfalfa or whatever that they're using for for their dairy farm but um it's interesting it'll change year to year as far as what kind of what's a, a hot spot you know I'll, I'll have areas where you know i've got six deer on camera like every night and they're um they're using that area as a staging area before they kind of hang out and head out for the evening to to go kind of munch on stuff out in the field but um and then next year it'll completely change to another area and that was an example this year because they run like three cell cameras and and three non-cell cameras and I wasn't actually feeling good about opener this year just because it was hot and rainy and pictures have been kind of like, I wasn't getting like a lot of consistent stuff. Yeah. And then I, you know, I put, I had a camera in one of the areas that hadn't really produced a whole lot of pictures. And all of a sudden that this year just happened to be the year that they're using this area quite a bit. And it was pointing at like an old Oak tree and Oaks are just, I don't know. I keep hearing it from a bunch of people as far as the amount of acorns that Oaks produced this year. When I showed up there to do corn silage and I had like three bucks in daylight right before dusk, like the four nights prior. So I got pretty pumped up. Um, I, I keep an extra hang on stand in my truck and I threw that up there and that's kind of what led to it. So, Hmm. So paint us a picture here now. It's opener night. You're getting eaten alive by mosquitoes. It's 80 degrees mm-hmm. and raining. Well, yeah. What were you? Well, like, what was going through your mind? And like, tell us the story of like when this buck. Like, did he come out early? Did you get like a, um, uh, like you yeah. see him across the field, or all of a sudden <clears throat> he was just sitting there, and you're just like, oh shit! Like, <laughs> <I> no. <laughs> you know, it's interesting when they do corn silage or when whenever they're out in the fields deer always kind of want to check out and see what they're doing there like so if they're spreading manure or they're harvesting um or they're planting or whatever they they want to come out at night and check out what they've done and kind of pick through and eat what they can especially when they're doing silage there's lots of goodies left over and there's cornrows that are easier for them to access but that kind of tailed with like um they just had been hammering the acorns under this oak is kind of what led to a lot of the success there. But anyways, so yeah, I went out and checked the camera. I saw that the camera's pretty hot. Got to stand up there. That was Friday. I don't hunt mornings in early season. Maybe I should, but maybe I'm just too lazy. But um, <laughs> went out and did corn silage for the day. And then um, went out that evening. And yeah, it, it, I mean, it was raining off and on the whole day. And it was 80 degrees. But I mean, 6 o'clock on, I had pretty good action from... You probably saw like six, seven different deer. Um, three of them were decent bucks. I didn't really have a shot at anything that was that was showing up, but uh, right at dusk, I had some, uh, actually a pair of bucks. These were the two that I was mostly interested in that were on camera. They kind of came out to a, 
a holding pond that was probably like 200 yards away. And now it's kind of like a race against daylight at this point. Like, I know they're going to come up to this oak, but I don't know how much time I got left before they get here. And sure enough, they, they slowly made their way up. But if it was another 10 minutes, even maybe even five minutes, I, it, I probably would have lost light. But there was this one that I shot, and there was another one trailing it that was a really nice buck as well. I'm like, I'm not going to – if they stall out or they get spooked, I mean, I got to take my shot at the first one. So, yeah, it, it worked out pretty well. I mean, he came within, he worked his way up from that pond up the hill towards the oak where I was sitting on the field edge. And, um, I mean, he came within 10 yards of my stand, which is just perfect. Oh, nice. Oh, wow. Um, so now, was it just, a, just the bucks? That, and, was it just, sorry, just, was it just the bucks that came out or did you have those run first and then the bucks were following or was it just, just the two it, bucks? Yeah. I mean, all evening it was pretty sporadic as far as small buck a doe with two fawns that came shortly after another smaller buck like a yearling with a maybe a two and a half year old that were out of range and then um and then later on i had those two bucks that came out to that to that water right just right before dark and those were, so it was kind of like stuff showing out and like i said you know most of them are kind of heading out to the field to kind of check it out and so i'm i'm getting stuff that's coming out of the so where I'm hunting is, is, is the driftless area. So they got a lot of bluffs and valleys there. Mm-hmm. So a lot, a lot of them are getting pulled out of those deeper valleys up to the ridge tops where they've got egg. And so I'm trying to find the areas where they're coming out of. That makes sense. Yep. And it's yeah, like one of the best feelings too, is when you can see bucks and bachelor groups, like yeah. it, it's so yeah. it's, it's something that you can't like describe. Like all of a sudden, like you're excited just to see one buck in the fall, and all oh, of a sudden yeah. now here's because I had a, a long time like a couple of years ago I had three different bucks that were all sitting together and they're all good good deer shooters, mm-hmm. and I'm just like I I have no idea what to do right now like <laughs> yeah. I, like you're staring at racks and you're trying to figure out what to do and then you're also trying mm-hmm. to be quiet and it's like oh my god this is nuts yeah I, that's why I love hunting early season I yeah. mean I primarily hunt you know, opening weekend and the two weekends after for bow. And that's pretty much it now. And, um, yeah, when you get deer that are all calm like that and they haven't been pressured yet and they're still hanging out in those bachelor groups and they're just acting nonchalant. I, there's nothing better. It, it's, yeah. I, I love it. It's such a good time. You feel like, and it's also like, you feel like you don't have to rush your shot. Like no. they're, they're so calm. They're not looking up. They're not looking down. They're not on edge. Mm-hmm. Like you said before. And it's, it's just like, you can just pull back, shoot and let her go. Yeah. And, yeah, absolutely. And, 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 and like to give Seth some shit, you, you were successful. You didn't shoot four <laughs> feet to the right. <laughs> hey man. If but that you, happens to everybody. I've had plenty of those. I've had, believe me, I've had plenty of those opportunities. To... I get a, I gotta quit giving him crap because of the big buck contest. I'm gonna sail one right over a buck's back, and then I'm gonna lose. You're gonna wind up paying for dinner. <laughs> yeah, but uh, hey, I'd rather do that than. I mean, I than wound it. Yeah. I mean, everyone that bow hunts long enough has lost one, and that's just the worst feeling ever. And I've done that before too. So, what? what yeah. Are you, what are you using for? What's your setup? Bow and arrows and broadhead. Yeah, I um. What's it called? It's a Matthews. It's probably five or six years old now. Uh, Vertix. Okay, yep. It's kind of one of their flagship ones like five years ago or so. But um, I yeah, I, I kind of poured a bunch of money into that one kind of just to find like, okay, I'll keep this one for a while. And it, it's a – I really enjoy that bow. It's a really smooth shooting one. Um, and as far as arrows go, uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of the bow shop down in um, – burnsville area but uh, uh schaefer's archery yeah um, I've heard a lot of the guys on the south side of the cities will go there and they do a really nice job of getting you set up and i i don't get into the bull press and cutting arrows and doing the veins and everything like that i, I maybe someday i'd like to but I, I i really just rely on those guys to get me all set up and they do a really nice job so they actually manufacture some parts too like they're they're um 
what's that called? Their, their arrow rests that they have there. Um, but uh, my arrows are pretty pretty light. I know a lot of people are trying to get heavier with their arrows and their yeah and their broadheads, and I keep thinking about upping poundage and upping the arrow weight and stuff too. I kind of figure next time I get my bow restrung, I might look into that. But my arrow, I just got some Easton arrows that are pretty light, and they got uh, I I just shoot fixed blade. Oh, really? Mechanical ones, yeah, yeah. That'll, that'll give Seth some confidence. Yeah, no kidding. Mm. What like muzzy or uh, slip, slip? What is it? Durham slick trash. Easy for you to no, say. No, they look very much like those muzzy ones. Um, I can't remember what they're called, but but they're. I mean, the cut they make on them has got to be. Uh, it, it's a four blade, and it probably gives you like a, a one inch cut on them for. And it's got a chisel tip on the front of them. Okay. And I know Muzzy it made some makes some that are very similar to that. I can't remember what these are, but Schaefer partnered with some company that manufactures, and they put their um they put their name on them and oh, sell them okay. out of their shop as like their store brand ones. So hmm. yeah, like but yeah, the... they work they work out well. I've I've done the mechanical. I mean, I lost a deer with a mechanical one, so of course it was the broadhead's fault, and I switched. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, the story kind of proves it true. Maybe. <laughs> I'm sure they're great, but yeah. <laughs> I think if I didn't shoot mechanical, I would have lost about all my deer. Yeah. I don't know. You hear, you hear so, I don't know. There's, I mean, people like, there is horror stories of it not expanding or, you know, like it doesn't get all the way through or there's different, like, the easy thing with fix, and everyone knows it, is there's less moving parts. You know what yeah. you have. You know, keep it simple. Then it's you just shoot it, and you know you don't have to worry about anything. You you practice, so you right. you know all that stuff. So it's like I have nothing against fix. I just I really like the rage because I don't have to track it very far. If oh I, yeah. If you have a good shot, I mean, all my deer have gone. What the buck last year was 40, 50 yards, maybe forty. Yeah, about forty, I'd say. Well, and if you think about it too, the mechanical they are a little bit more accurate than the actual fixed ones too because it's almost kind of like a field point that you're shooting yeah right. it's a little closer yeah until they open up yeah and i'm not i'm not part of the whole big weight thing yeah if it if, if it's broke don't fix it right if you if you're shooting deer with yeah. what you're using i mean if you want to try it go ahead but i i just like staying basic and i don't i don't have a bow press like you're saying sam i we like all, north of the cities where we are it's archery country Everyone I know yeah. goes to archery country. Oh, yeah. They, they do the same thing. That's a great bow shop. They'll set you up. If you want to spend a lot of money, you can spend a lot of money. Otherwise, mm. they'll just pl- pl- like flat out say, how much do you want to spend? You give right. them a price, and they're like, okay, we can get you this, this, and this. And that's your budget? Okay, here you go. They're not going to force yeah. you into anything and make you buy a $300 that's quiver. That's nice. Yeah, uh, like it's, that. it's, yeah. They're just absolutely great guys there. Yeah, I hear they're a pretty, pretty good shop on the – on the north side for sure yeah how far did this buck go when he shot him um 50 yards maybe nice I, yeah I'm, I'm just looking at the picture like tim said and all i see is a bunch of blood yeah, there's like, a lot that, of blood there yeah. that made a pretty good yeah hole. yeah i got some good vitals it is it actually interesting so i was telling you there was a trailer buck yeah like, like it like we were talking about as far as you know seth missing his and anything can happen he just makes some mistakes and Everything happened so fast. I had that buck trailing, and and I I couldn't find it. I found blood at the impact site of you know where I where I shot that deer, and then uh, so let it sit for a half hour. I'm like, okay, I'll kind of go up, give it ten feet or whatever, and kind of look for some blood before I back out here. And I couldn't find anything. I'm like, oh, okay, maybe I gotta let this one sit. Maybe it didn't get as good as I thought it did. Um went back in you know hour and a half later and i couldn't find any blood and it turns out i was following the tra- i was following the trail of the the buck that was trailing the one that i shot oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and i was like oh my gosh this is terrible it's hot it's like 80 degrees out right now what kind of a night is this going to be we can use blood tracking dogs in minnesota now so yeah. I, I don't know if you guys follow some of those facebook groups but yeah um, I was thinking about giving one of them a call, and then I'm like, yeah, I really got to look around some more and figure out the deer ran off and the 
completely different entrance to the woods and found oh, it. So at least tell, at least tell me that you it kind of followed the other one a little bit. <laughs> but. Oh, it was it was embarrassing. I'm just like, I, how did this happen? <laughs> I, I don't know. Everything happens quick. Yeah, yeah. Yep. You remember things differently. It's crazy, but yeah. What was it like when you pulled that bow back and that arrow went and you heard that slap? Like, was it you knew you had a good shot? Like, you were like, that's done. I don't. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I never really remember like pulling it back and shooting. I, like, I get. I don't know what you guys, but I get pretty jacked up. Uh huh. I'm running on some. I don't know what's running through your veins when that happens, but it's almost like an out-of-body experience that it's really difficult to explain. But yep. the, the main thing that I felt really good about is he did a meal kick when I when I hit him. Hmm. Um, and everything you read is meal Art. kick. Yeah. Yeah. So that was making me feel pretty good about things. And my arrow actually stuck in. Um, it's kind of a weird shock, but the front part of it stuck in and the arrow broke off. And um, so I couldn't find my arrow right away either. So that was kind of giving me a little hesitancy. But, yeah, I mean, it wasn't until I got out there and found that good blood again that I was really feeling confident. Other than that, like, if it didn't do that meal kick, I would <laughs> I wasn't feeling too good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So did you get him in the heart? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's one thing I've never Just done is actually get a – you see pictures all the time in the fall. People like the broadhead is like a perfect right in the heart. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I'm like, oh, that'd be so cool to do that. But I feel like now you're wasting that. I know. I was thinking about taking a picture. I completely forgot. It was hot, so we were just focused on getting out of there quick. Yep. Um, I was thinking about that too. Like I never got a picture of the heart or any of the any of the entry wound or anything like that. On it, but yeah. That's pretty, but yeah, anyways, that, that was another interesting thing too, because it was so hot that okay, I can't really hang it tonight. Um, the guy that's helping my buddy who was helping me drag it out is a dairy farmer, so he's up like five hours past his normal bedtime. Yeah, he's got to yep. get up to milk cows yep. <laughs> in like four hours, <laughs> so I feel kind of bad. So, anyways, in, in that case, I actually threw it in the bed of my truck, drove to town, and just loaded up at the local quick trip with a bunch of ice and just packed it for the night. Yeah. Um, did it that way which which ended up working out pretty well and it's kind of got up at like 5 a.m 5 6 a.m the next morning and started skinning it so yeah and that's what i like i had a similar situation with my first dough and my dad's a meat cutter and he said don't take the hide off he said that'll, yeah that'll insulate all of that and it'll cool it faster mm-hmm. so to keep the the top meat cool as long as the bottom meat and if you skin it then you're going to lose a lot you know of, of yeah, cool air. and I, and I see it both ways, and I I don't know if there's a wrong way of doing it. Yeah, you think he'd take his jacket off to get the heat out? Yeah, you but, know. Yeah, but I don't know. Huh? It worked out for me. It's... It worked out for Sam. So I'm gonna keep doing it that way so, if I ever get one when it's warm. So something like this, Sam. You know, you wait till the next morning, and then you um, start working on it. So do you just quarter it and then get the rest of that in the freezer, or you process the rest of the deer? Well, you, and you're still waiting on the yeah. CWD deal too, right? Yeah. So what I did. Um, so what I did, I got it skinned out and, um, at that point I just quartered everything out, took back straps off and, um, got as much trim as I could off of it and just got all the quarters in a cooler pretty much at that point and, uh, all the good pieces, you know, in, in separate bags. I, at that point, you can bring your meat out, you know, you can take all that meat out of the zone and bring it home. You just can't take any spine or head with you. So I took all that home and just stuck it in the fridge. And then, you know, that week, just kind of deboned all the quarters at that point. And I waited on my CWD test before I kind of get everything trimmed up and, and tidying in packages and whatnot. So. so you left everything in the fridge. So you didn't freeze anything then. So you can still work with it later on once you find yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I got a fridge down in the basement. So luckily I can just throw a bunch of quarters in there. That makes it easier to work with. So get a little bit more time so you don't have to get all the roast cut out and everything out of the yeah. quarters like right then and there. So, so I, and again, get... <laughs> I didn't really have any much much time in the morning because they're like, all right, we well we got We just did silage. We got to go cover bunkers, so we don't have much time <laughs> to, yeah. to, yep. to dick around with this. So, so what's know. the whole process of getting it tested for CWD? 
Yeah, that's interesting. It, it kind of evolves every year. So, like during gun season when we're down there, they've got uh, they've got different areas where they usually have got dumpsters where you toss your hat in, or they've got some years they've got uh, DNR agents that are there pulling samples out of out of the lymph nodes. So the main area that they can test a couple of different areas. They can test, um, but the main area that they're looking for is the lymph nodes right in the neck. So during gun season, they, you know, you can toss the whole head in, um, and they, they're able to find enough tissue that they can test there. Or if you want to keep your head, they'll cut the neck open and take those lymph nodes out. You can take your head back with you and you got to keep it in the zone until you're done. During bow season, though, it's a little bit different because they don't have the dumpsters out. They used to. I can't imagine what those things were looking yeah. like. Oh, boy. Tossing That'd just heads in, you know, all September and early October. Yep. I mean, can you imagine being a DNR agent and going there and picking up a truckload of deer heads <laughs> oh. and your job oh. is to <laughs> pull lymph nodes out of those things? That, that'd be a job that, for the new guy. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. That sounds like the worst. Um, anyways, what, what they do is now... You can actually go to the DNR website and request a um, a kit from them, and they'll send it to you in the mail. And what comes in that kit is like a a little ice pack, a little envelope, like a padded envelope for you to send in, and a tweezers and some instructional pamphlet. So they kind of set you up now to be able to extract the lymph nodes yourself. You can okay. put them in the mail and send them in, and they'll turn around your your test and um like a week or so which isn't terrible uh that is if you're able to get the lymph nodes out which i did not i oh. took some other tissue and sent it in but <laughs> i'm an idiot so hopefully <laughs> other people have more luck than i do with it but um i don't know the dnr is super good to work with about that stuff at least so i mean they just gave me a call and said, Hey, I don't know what you sent us, but that wasn't like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like a saliva gland or something like that. But, uh, a couple of things are run through but, my like, head right now. They were super great quiet. about like coordinating to get the head in and actually get a real sample from me. But huh. assuming you're not an idiot like me, like the test is the, the kit that they send you in the mail and it's free. Like anybody can do it. doesn't matter what zone you're in. Um, they send it right to your house and pretty convenient actually. That's pretty cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, I I think you'd all, you know I would rather keep let it stay to the professionals taking care of it just because I'd probably cut off the wrong part too or send yeah. it in or whatever. But I'd just give them the whole neck. It's got to be in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, is this enough? I mean, it's easy to run as doughs and you just drop off a pile of them in a dumpster and <laughs> wait till you get your test back. I can't so. believe that they do that. Well, here's a big dumpster. Just throw your head in there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, you need to identify it too somehow, right? So you did, <laughs> how, that's what I'm thinking. How, how do you know whose head is whose in that? Well, they got to probably got a tag they put on that. Yeah, rack. tag yeah. the ear or something. Well, if you got to yeah, know, you take, you take the, the ear. ear. Okay. Yeah, you take the ear and you kind of leave that on, and it's got your your DNR and registration number on okay. it, and that kind of links to whatever. <laughs> it's it's got your number from the farm you were at. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> from the yeah. deer farm. <laughs> Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, this is Sam's. He he uh he went with the smaller one this year. He didn't want the big one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh. All right. Well, what's what's uh let's do a first experience for you, Sam. Sure. Yeah. Um. Funny sort of me. We'll see if it's funny to you guys or not. But, <laughs> um, like I said, I didn't really get. I, I didn't really grow up hunting. Um. My parents, they brought us up to the boundary waters quite a bit growing up, so I appreciate that. But they weren't, you know, my dad wasn't really all into hunting all that much. So my, the first the first duck hunt that I went on, you know, um, myself and Rob Field, I'm sure you remember Rob. Yep. Um, we are like, hey, let's, let's try duck hunting. And so we, we got access to a local pond, and we found waders from people. We found a, fu- a couple of decoys and a canoe, and we, we went out and we're like, okay, we'll, we'll figure this out. And we had a blast. It, it was a great time. We're like, wow, these ducks are really easy to shoot. They swim right into your decoys. <laughs> no. This is awesome. You just, they just swim up to you and you blast them. I don't know what to people talk about this being so hard. So we, we gather up at the end of, you know, the morning and throw them all in a bucket. And we head home and I'm like, dad, we went duck hunting. We shot all these ducks. And he just looks at me and he's like, these <laughs> 
these are kind of ducks, but do you know what a coot is? Yeah, I was going to say, you shot a bunch of coots. <laughs> we shot a bunch of coots. Yeah. But, and, yeah, that's um, weird. They're just bobbing their head when they're coming through the decoys. <laughs> yeah, they're just pimping their way across the pond. <laughs> <laughs> these things are easy to shoot. Oh, that's funny. Like, he's like, you guys didn't shoot ducks. I'm like, we kind of did, you know. <laughs> so, anyways, yeah, that, that that was one of my first experiences actually hunting, and um, I don't know, we still had a blast doing it. But looking back on it, like, gosh, that's <laughs> that's hilarious. The only time I shoot a coot now is if I get really frustrated. But um, yeah, are you still duck hunting too, though? A little bit. You know, deer hunting is kind of the main thing. Bow is what I really enjoy and what I kind of put a lot of time into. But um, I don't know. I try to get out duck hunting a few times. We actually got a trip. Actually, Rob Field and I have a few other buddies. That we're heading out to North Dakota end of October. Oh, so nice. we'll spend five days out there doing ducks and pheasants. So that'll be a good time. I actually bought a kayak this year to get us some access to a little bit. Some this, you know, it's it's weird. It changes year to year out there as far as like how deep some of these ponds are. But um, actually took that out on opener to try to do a duck hunt out of a kayak, and it was a good time. It was cool. Yeah, we uh, or uh, Seth's heading out to North Dakota um, mm. next week. Next week, which would be when it would be the day after this airs. Sure. So he he's been talking about going out there for so many years with his buddy Joe Bullard. So it, oh. Seth, he came up to me today, and we were talking. He's like, oh, Mac, I, I did something. And I was like, what What did you do? He's like, I bought a bunch of Sitka. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, he's like, I don't know what to do, you know. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, oh, I don't know. We, I've kind of bashed Sitka for a while. And he's like, I just I went and bought a bunch. And he bought, like, some, like, non-insulated bibs and stuff. Because when they go mm-hmm. out to North Dakota, they're they're just doing field hunting. So he wanted some, like waterproof bib something that was lightweight you could get around in and not get all full of mud and i'm like good for you dude you bought nice gear like who cares like i, I don't bash sidka like everyone that i know that has them absolutely loves them like it, yeah it's money well the same spent. time the hardest part about buying a sitka is when your buddies find out you bought sitka though <laughs> yeah oh you know i, I mean? wish i had that kind of money and yeah yeah you're you. gonna catch flack yeah for it i've got a couple pieces of it. It, it it is really nice stuff but it you just ask yourself like what am i doing like is this what am i spending money on right now like yeah. i got a family to feed <laughs> yeah you're spending 350 dollars <laughs> on a pair of pants yeah. that you can wear till <laughs> exactly. like the first week of october because it gets too cold but but no. hey you look sweet when you're out there doing it so <laughs> it's, i i really appreciate like all like uh the videos on like tiktok now where it's does the deer know that I have Sitka on? And like people are like, spoof, like making spoof videos of Sitka, and it's so funny. It's like the haters gonna yeah. hate, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's. I mean, you gotta spend your money on something, right? Uh, it, it's a fun thing to spend money on, but the hard reality that we don't want to tell ourselves is you could probably do all it in Walmart camo, but again, you just don't look as cool. Well, and I think Sidka has some type of warranty too, right? Where if something rips, you can send it back and they'll fix sure. it or send you a new pair. So it's almost like, like yeah. a warranty. So yeah. when it comes to stuff I, like that, it makes it a little more worthwhile. Yeah. It makes it worth it. You spend yep. that much money and if like I rip shit out all the time. Yeah. yeah. I wish they had that for work jeans. Oh God. If I could, yeah. If I get free <laughs> jeans every time I rip uh, out a crotch. <laughs> Oh, I would have, I would have put a company out of business a while back when I put on a bunch of weight and I was wearing my small tight jeans. I went through three pairs of jeans in three weeks. <laughs> you wearing your skinny jeans? Yeah. The worst part is, is I was new at the time and uh, one of the pairs of underwear were bright pink. Oh, <laughs> you can never come back on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's other things on it that made it even worse, but it was oh, so embarrassing. Good. Hopping up on a truck and you bend over and it's just bright pink hanging out of your freaking jeans. <laughs> Those sure are my better deer hunter right monsters. Now. Yeah. The, the chicks yeah. like it. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, I, I don't know if you guys ever hit up the like the, the buy sell sites on Facebook. Like the, but there's like a Sitka buy and sell page or there's a first light one. Oh, where you yeah. can get some pretty sweet deals on like some secondhand stuff from people. 
Um, I bought a lot of stuff too that you can save quite a bit of money, and usually it's in pretty good condition still. Yeah, I feel like there's a big push for that first light now with Meat Eater coming yeah. on yeah. the show. Yep. And didn't he? Did he start that? Like I, don't know I thought so. They're affiliated somehow. Yeah, and there's just every every time you hear it's not like five years ago it was Sidka. And now everything's yeah. first light. And it's like, I still can't spend the money on first light. I know there's a new. I will say their base, their Moreno, I've got their Moreno base layers. And they oh, are, really? they're pretty awesome. I, I mean, I hate wearing bulky stuff when I hunt. But if you get some of like their thick Moreno base layers that, I mean, they dry out in an instant. And like if you, if you're working up a sweat and they keep you warm and you can usually get by with like a lighter jacket over that stuff yeah that's and a, i need to look into a good base layer that's one thing i don't have if if i would recommend anything from them it's like if you can get like their kiln or furnace base layers you can usually get by in later season without you know wearing like a giant jacket and gigantic bibs you know what i mean yeah you know, I, I just got the old red union suit from fleet farm and by the oh, time you, by the time you make it to your stand, you're sweating so damn bad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that was it. During uh, when COVID was big here, and and uh, they had like a, a sale over at the Under Armour store for first responders and, and medical staff. My wife works in the medical industry, and we went in there, and we ended up with like we got three sets of base layers. And I want to say it was like fifteen dollars for a pair of pants that you know the base layer pants and the base layer tops. So for thirty bucks, we got a set of base layers for three of us, which were normally like wow. eighty some. I think we got the was it the three point oh, three point oh or four point oh. I got the four point oh uh, long sleeve, and I wish I would have got the three point oh because it's too warm. Yeah, and they're can... they're they're nice and you know they're nice and they're they're. Th- um, not bulky. That's like you mentioned before, Sam. The yeah. bulky stuff you don't want to wear all that bulk. And these things, yeah, they, they're they're freaking sweet for for the price we paid for them. I, I yeah, me personally, I'm a cheap ass. I'm not going to pay full price for for the Under Armour stuff. But yeah, it does a pretty good job I, for what it is. I will say I have had that stuff, the Under Armour base layers as well, and it is nice for sure. I think the biggest thing, it, I don't think it's a big of a deal for like you know, like stand hunting, but as far as wearing them for like, uh, if you're walking for pheasants all day or something, yeah. the, what I've noticed with those Moreno base layers that first light's got are, and there's probably some other brands that are great too, that are probably cheaper, but, um, the mobility that you get with them. Cause I think, and maybe I just gained too much weight and my <laughs> under base layers got too tight on me, but the biggest thing was just, um, how much they constrict you and how much flexibility in like, forgiveness there is in the in the merino stuff i think sure. that's that's probably one of the biggest but yeah you're right that under armor stuff is warm though it is nice and, that, and there is something to be said about spending money because like like i said i have the union suit you wash it one time and it's like it shrinks a shit ton. oh yeah so like when you're in the stand and you're like practicing drawing your bow back it's almost like you have to like stretch it out oh sure because like sure. you can't it's it it restricts you so much it's mm-hmm. like I need to just bite the bullet and just yeah. go buy a nice base layer because once you have it, you're good for ever. Yep. Yeah. You're only you're only gonna wear it from you know nope. end of October for what maybe five, six, seven times depending on how much you hunt. Yeah. 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 That's a good yeah. point. I don't know. I I wear ice fishing and everything. Oh, I, yeah, I guess I, I, I wear them quite a bit now. Actually, I don't know. You're getting older, your blood flow, you're starting to keep your house at 78 uh, degrees and, yeah. and putting, like, flannel jeans on because it's 40 degrees outside, and you're like, ooh. Well, shit, last weekend I had my base layers on when I went to the homecoming football game. It was freaking cold outside. So I'm just too cheap to turn the heat on. I hear you. We actually just turned our heat on last night. I felt so weird. What do you guys keep your houses at? I think ours we do sixty nine baby. <laughs> oh man, that's a hot nut house. Yeah, I think we we have the um, timer on ours, so we go anywhere between in the wintertime, I think it's between sixty four and sixty six. Yeah, I keep yeah. ours at sixty four. I woke up. I got home from work yesterday after it was like windy, and the house is like sixty two, and I'm like, oh, 
When I lived by myself, the house was set at 59 in the wintertime, and I'd still crack my window in my room. <laughs> Slept good. I did sleep Sleeping good. Weather. Yep. But I also woke yeah. up with a runny nose every morning. <laughs> <laughs> Your nose is cold. Did I get frostbite? I was going to say, that's just a frost starting to thaw and yeah. melt. But, well, Sam, thanks for coming on. It was uh, yeah. good, good to talk to you again, and I really wanted to hear the story behind your deer, and it's it's a great deer. Congratulations. Yeah, it's a hell of a hey, deer. Hey, thanks, man. It's... Yeah, I really appreciate it, guys. I really appreciate it having me on, and like I said, I really enjoy the podcast. Keep up the good work. It's it's fun listening to you guys talk about this stuff because, um, yeah, I mean, what you guys talk about is so relatable, you know, to, to what we do. There's a lot of other hunting podcasts out there, but I'm not deep sea fishing or big game hunting out west as as much as I'd like to. But um, it's relatable and it, you know, keeps us thinking about, you know, like, hey, maybe I should do more of that. So um, it's really entertaining. So keep it up. Yeah, I hope, I hope it's entertaining. Yeah, we we like to entertain ourselves, so hopefully it's entertaining for somebody else. No, I really appreciate you. I really appreciate you saying that because that's kind of what we're, I guess, would say going for is just like like yourself and us. We're just normal guys that like to go hunting and fishing. And yeah, yeah. And what's the difference between going over if I come over to Tim's house and drink a couple beers and talk about it? And well, let's just record it. Let's, yeah, yeah. I, I think before this podcast ever was created, there's a lot of pretty golden stories out there oh, that. Yeah. That nobody ever really knows of anymore, so we're just we're trying to share it now, and um, we're glad that you enjoy it, and and yeah, yeah. The feedback feedback we we don't get a lot of that, so we we really do appreciate that part. That's got to be so, one of the best stories though for a, a listener to actually say it's how he went out and shot a bunch of coots. Yeah, this is easy, duck hunting. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, <laughs> good deal. That's funny. Uh, well, Border Outdoors, I'm Mac. I'm Tim. I'm Wyatt. I'm Sam. We'll talk to you guys later. Thanks for listening to the Border Outdoors podcast. Follow us on Instagram and be sure to join, follow, and share the Border Outdoors Facebook community page. Also, leave us a five-star rating and review on Spotify, Apple, or whatever podcast hosting site you listen to. Tune in next week, see what we're talking about, and make sure to get out there and make your own memories. Come.